They're not leaders. They are leeches. That is all that they are. And until they get themselves out of the club, they will just continue to be leeches. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Two Boys Talk About Arsenal and Try Not To Cry podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and, as my girlfriend referred to him this morning, Bramley Apples. <laughs> Hello, mate. You all right? Am I all right? Uh, uh, this is a stupid question at this point, isn't it, mate? Brad, this is this is how I feel. Why? Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. <laughs> to be fair, like, to, on, a, on a lighter note. Does a show do cold opens better than Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Because I don't think... I, I don't know. Brooklyn Nine-Nine isn't as funny as everyone thinks it is. No, but their cold opens are elite. As in, like, some of the humour in the show is hit and miss, but the, the openings, the cold openings of some of those episodes are absolutely class. What else could we podcast about? We, um, suggested, we suggested golf yesterday. Yeah, I, golf. I, I said we should become a golf podcast, but my autocorrect changed it to good, which is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> we should become a good podcast, oh, Brad. Mate, mate, fucking hell. Uh, do you want to read some stats? Listen, listen to this, mate, right? Arsenal have failed to score in eight of their last 15 Premier League games at the Emirates. Arsenal can make a total of 61 points this season if they win all five remaining games. That is only going to be enough to be higher than one other 38-game Premier League season, which was last season. Leicester hadn't won away at Arsenal since 1973 before this season. Wolves not since 1979. Burnley not since 1974. Everton not since 1995-96. Tonight was Arsenal's first St George's Day defeat since 1975. First Friday Friday league defeat since 1988. First since time losing, the introduction of the Premier League, mate. First time losing both league games to Everton since 1986. First home defeat to Everton since 1996. <laughs> it's just a joke, mate. It honestly is just a joke. Like this, seat, like, and I, I, I know the only people that listen to us are Arsenal fans, right? And that's well. I'm, I'm like other than or maybe Spurs some of our friends, who love Schaden for yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but like, the more that I witness the shit show this club is, the more proud I am of our fans for the way we reacted to the Super League. Because I think if any of the six clubs needed it, it's us. Because we're fucking terrible, and. The more that I think about it, the the prouder I am of the way that our fans reacted to that news. Yeah. And that is the one thing that, as an Arsenal fan, keeps me going. Is that, you know, because uh, especially through the tough times, because hopefully Cronky will sell, whatever. But the fact that our fans rallied together around something so strongly that us as a club because of the way that the Cronkies invest, well, they don't invest, and because of the way that the Cronkies deal with these situations, we 
it, you know, I, I, I just want to send a lot of love out to the Arsenal fans and the ones that were at the protest yesterday. Me and Alex both couldn't be there for kind of extenuating circumstances. Uh, but we were there with you in spirit and hopefully we can get these Yankee fuckers out because they're just absolute wastes of space, man. Like There were some great banners yesterday. Oh, I yeah. One of my favourite ones was, you know, the, the thing from that. What's that show? Is it Come Dined With Me? The oh, guy yeah. who's like, you won, Jane. And it's like... <laughs> you won, Crunky. You won, Stan. Enjoy the money. I hope it makes you very happy. <laughs> Arsenal won. No, Arsenal nil. Nil. <laughs> Everton, Arsenal nil, mate. Everton won at the Emirates. Uh, Friday Night Football. Graham Sooners and was it Kevin Campbell ripping into us? I don't know. Us? I don't know, mate. I, I, again, illegal streams. Wait, no, actually, I've got an, one thing that we have to... I, my illegal stream yesterday was an American broadcast. One thing that we have to do is stop the Americanization of this game. Because after watching an American broadcast yesterday, like, we need to not become that. Because every four or five minutes, the scoreboard turned into an advert for fucking Mercedes-Benz or some stupid American chicken shop or something fucking ridiculous like that. You know, you had random things flash up. Like, it, it was just, like, nothing to do with football half the time. Yeah. And, just I... fu- and also, like, they use colloquialisms from other sports. And I'm like, this isn't that sport. Like, they were... What did they... What did they... Oh, God, there was... Like, you... They just weren't using like football lingo they were using like american football lingo at some points and it, i was i was just baffled by almost like the lack of research or care that these people had done to be presenting a football show yeah and i think like the americanization i'm putting my analysis and um big boy shoes on now um <clears throat> they're back on if they ever were on um yeah, I think the kind of the Americanization of things is a discussion and I think it's it's really easy to make it sound like xenophobic or like jingoistic and it's it's not that. It's a it's a kind of it's an ideal. It's a it's a certain way and this isn't to throw all Americans into this, but the American um sort of methodology of sport in the lack of you know a massive commercialization the um the the lack of relegation the lack of promotion the the kind of the idea that a club can just literally pick up and leave their 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 local their local group and there there's no kind of you know there's like the globe trotters and like i think there's one called like orlando city fire or something like that who literally just picked up from another city and came to orlando there's something like that i i, I don't i'm not too familiar with american sports but the yeah i think it, it is important to to kind of separate out those ideas for me because yeah i see a lot of you know get these yanks out of our club and i and i do get that and i understand what the sentiment behind that is but we do have to be careful to kind of keep that rhetoric in check, in my opinion. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the Cronkies being American that's the issue. Like, almost the Americanization of sport and the Cronkies being American, unfortunately, seem to dovetail. But it's not that we want the Cronkies out because they're American. I'd want the Cronkies out if they were Belgian, if they were Dutch. I want them out because they are a shambles at running the club. And, you know, I was just doing some quick maths before this. Every day, at like, man's on the block. Every day, mate. 
and like you know they we've we've claimed or it's been claimed that the Cronkies fronted the money for party but we spent 50 million net this summer and that's not including the money that we would have saved on getting Mkhitaryan's wages off the book by sending them out to Roma um you know which is only just over the money for party and that's the kind of money that we'd spend in a summer anyway and then it gets even worse when you look at the summer before that and net spend we probably spent about 20 million quid like there are big 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 issues with the way that the Cronkies run the club in the fact that they have taken more money out of the club in advisory fees uh in putting us up for uh putting us up as collateral damage for loans that they took out to build the new LA Ram stadium it's the way that this club is an is nothing more than an asset to them and they treat it as such and i spoke to you about it before this and i just want to give a quick shout out to it on the podcast uh i'm a big hugh Wizzy fanboy i think he's, we know he does, you know we know, we, know, we know but honestly go and watch his last video you don't have to watch the whole thing but watch the bit where he dissects everything that vinai says and everything that josh Cronkey says just purely from like a like a a wordage or like an analytical standpoint of every of like the way that he phrases things and it's so obvious that he's reading from a script and he starts to he gives like basically the dictionary definition of leadership at one point almost as an excuse and it's just shocking and it is at the point where i'm if you are honestly cronky in you are a moron over the like there is obviously a difference between correlation and causation, but they have been the majority shareholder in this club for, what, at least 15 years? Something over like the Yeah, over the, oh, literally, they have been the majority shareholder in this club over the time that we have been um, declining. And people go, okay, well, they weren't, um, they weren't the, the, the whole share owner. They don't, they didn't fully own the club. Fine. And since they've come in, they've refinanced the debt. Cronky's a billionaire. Why are we in two hundred million pounds worth of debt? Like he could wipe that away with a text. Why are we? Why are we in debt? Because he doesn't care. Because he knows that he can just use the revenue for the next four to five years to just pay off that debt. Then he doesn't have to stump up any money, and then the club's debt free without him having to invest. That's the moniker of a shite owner. Cronky's net worth, for example, is 8.2 billion US dollars. Um, now that equates to about roughly 6 billion pounds. 6 billion pounds. Arsenal are currently in about 200 million pounds worth of debt from the stadium left, right? That's, what, what percentage is that of his net worth? Not even a, a not even five percent of his net worth. Yeah, like this. This is how you, you like. He has he has no. He doesn't want to to invest in the club. And e even if the Cronkies go out and they spend two hundred million of their own money this summer, my sentiments are the same that they need to get out because the issue is, it's nothing more than a PR stunt. It's nothing more than a PR stunt. What they're trying to now do is they're trying to rebuild trust. And this is the issue with fickle football fans is if Arsenal go out and 
buy Jack Grealish for 80 million quid and buy... I will get a KSC tattoo. And, and buy NDD for <laughs> 45 million quid and then uh, like and spend two... I'll yeah, get another one. You know, and spend two... Yeah. Like, for, people will forget about this and people won't care. But the issue is, is if you look at the other football teams that he owns, right? Um, teams owned. He owns Arsenal. He owns the LA Rams. He owns the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Rapids... Now, the Nuggets are are a nothing team in the NBA. Let's just... When was the last time Nuggets last playoff? When do we become the London Gunners? Yeah. Yeah, listen. I I mean, we can we can go down that road. I, I personally, I think there's a, a conversation... We we can talk about, okay, we're in £200 million of debt and Cronky's a billionaire and stuff, and there will be... What? Uh... They have never reached the NBA finals okay. and I'm have only shocked. been to the Western Conference finals four times in 1978, 1985, 2009 and 2020. Eight, teams from, each, eight teams from each conference go to the, I'm pretty sure go to the, to the uh, playoffs. It, like, it's just yeah. it, like, it, it just gets to a point where you, if you see mediocrity every, everywhere the man goes, it is no surprise that we are falling into mediocrity because it's no longer good enough to be a self-sustaining model. The only people that can really be self-sustaining and still perform at an elite level is Manchester United. And that is because of the amount of commercial revenue they bring in. And even then, the Glaciers still have to put in 20%. The, the, yeah, a hundred percent. I I think for me the the main issue, like we can talk about the money side of things and whether they've invested and they haven't, and th- they haven't, right? But the for me, and and I think there's there's certain people who take the money side of things, and that's their big thing around the Cronkies. And I understand that. For me, it's the leadership, mm. and I think this kind of weaponization of leadership. Well, you know, we have to take tough decisions because that's what being a leader means. And he said something. Josh Cronky said in his, his fans forum something on the lines of, "I'm sure some of you, you know, you lead in in your own lives in certain things." Yeah, not multi-billion-pound fucking operations, mate, without any experience, without understanding the culture, without and it, it's 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 trying to equate something that is inequitable. You're the owner of a top six for now Premier League club. Don't try and patronise people with this. Well, you know, leaders make tough decisions. You know what leaders also do? Lead. They communicate. They're honest. They tell they tell their their staff and they don't lay people off when they have millions of pounds worth of resources that they're just pocketing. It's disgusting the way they're running this club. And for me, the the main and yes, the the money comes into it. They have not invested, and I and I that pisses me off. But the leadership and the lack of communication and the be excited for for what for fucking what? And I don't care if you're not going to invest. That's fine. But don't tell us you're going to invest and then don't do it. Don't tell us you're yeah. going to lead and don't do it. Don't don't say, oh, I'm a great leader and don't do it. Where was your great leadership last week? Where was your great leadership in communication with the fans? Mm-hmm. Where was your apology from the board? Who's the board? And they also he also hiding, says... Hiding behind Vinay, hide, hiding yeah. behind Mikel, hiding behind the players who have to go out there and they are under, they're understaffed, essentially. You're understaffed at work while you're fucking owners. Mm-hmm. If you're out there on the floor and you're a waiter and, you, and you're going out there and you know that you're fucking... Dish cleaner, let's call the, the left back the dish cleaner. Your dish cleaner doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't normally play dish cleaner. 
You're understaffed Mm -hmm. and that's on you. That's on you as a club. So don't give me this bollocks around, oh, well, you, you know, you guys don't really understand about leadership and maybe, well, maybe some of you do and it's really hard, guys. Oh, I don't care. Own up and front up when you make mistakes. And they have fronted up. But the difference between going, this is the thing. People think taking accountability is this. Yeah, I accept what I did. Oh, that's it then. No, make a change. Yeah. That's what accepting accountability is. It's not going, oh, I know what I did is wrong, but no. Yeah. And, and, no. Yeah. If, you know what you, if you know what you did is wrong, if you know what you did is wrong, then make a change because you know what you did is wrong. It's bollocks. And, and, and Josh Kroenke and Stan Kroenke will continue to bring this shit out every time something goes wrong until what? Until Arsenal are a mid-table team called the London fucking Gunners. And that's it. Yeah, and he, he, he and you've says, taken the pride out of it, Gazidis. <laughs> you know, you've, you've you've let the fans down. But he says he Cronky uh, also says it, Josh in this fans forum that um you know they 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 wanted to do what was kind of what the fans wanted, but obviously couldn't ask because they were bound to confidentiality agreements. It's just as if they didn't know what the fans would think about exactly. this. Exactly, it's, it's such we just didn't absolute guys. We lies. had absolutely no idea. Oh my god! What and the I reason? No clue. You guys would think I'm, this was a bad idea. What? I'm telling you now. No this is way. this is not over because of the way they talk about it. The way that they say, you know, we wanted we we wanted we wanted to do what was in the best interests of the club. We wanted to put, you know, we wanted to make sure that the club was in the safest situation moving forward and all of this kind of bollocks. This isn't over. You know, I think he even says um he uses the phrase next time when talking about it as yeah. well. He says next time. He's, like, he's open. He's going, "Yeah, next time this happens, we'll we'll communicate with you." Oh, because you clearly care about fans' voices. You, so it's like going, oh, next time I run your cat over, I'll communicate with your cat before I run it over. It's like, well, so I don't care. We don't want it. Get some... F- like, no one said... No, the, the, like, they, it's obvious that they don't care because none of these protests were saying, we don't mind the European Super League, we just want some changes. <laughs> Let's... Down with this kind of thing. <laughs> it's... Cronky like, out. All of the all of the protests, all of the pro- no, but not even the cronky out protests, the ESL protests or the the backlash. No one was saying we don't mind the idea, but we hate the execution. Everyone unified and said, "Fuck off, we don't want this." And that's how you know that they're not listening because what they're saying is, "Is oh, next time we'll communicate and we'll make it better." Not the point. No it's not the point. It's it's not that's the, not the, the point yeah, is that we don't want it. And, and you've also, missed the point entirely. And it's they've either missed the point or they don't care. And if you're such a great leader, you'll know when to step down. You'll know when your t- your time is up. You'll know when the fan base want you gone. There was a there was a poll that Arsenal Arsenal fans were the most opposed to the European Super League out of all the Premier League out of all the clubs in the European Super League. Arsenal fans were the most opposed when polled by the Athletic. <laughs> So if you know there's, if you see 4,000, I'm not saying, you know, however many people were at the protest yesterday, therefore you've got to go, but you've got to look at yourself and, and, and go, hang on, are we in the wrong business here? If you're such a great leader, if I'm such a great leader, if I'm, if I'm, I don't know, fucking, if I'm, yeah, if I'm running that restaurant, every single waiter in that restaurant wants me to go, every single punter in that restaurant wants me to go. And I think, well, do you know what's good leadership here? Me staying. That's not good leadership. Leadership is stepping back as well. It's understanding when your time is up at the club and their time is up at the club. 
But this is how you know that they don't care about leadership. They don't care about the club. They don't care about anything other than the money that it brings in because they can use us as collateral damage for stadiums and they can use us to finance other things. They haven't left. They won't leave. There's stories coming out that they're not going to sell. And that is how you know they don't care about the club. They are not custodians of... Well, he said he said yeah, he's not going to sell. They're not custodians of the club anymore. They've gone completely against what they said in 2019. They're not leaders. They are leeches. That is all that they are. And until they get themselves out of the club, they will just continue to be leeches. They are... They are they, they, <laughs> we're 21 minutes into the podcast and we've not even spoken about the game. But honestly, they it, it has to come to a point where... You know, we say, well, they should know that we want them to leave. They do know. They just don't care. So Tiger Woods, do you reckon he has a chance of making the Masters this season? or I don't know. Rory McIlroy, eh? What a, what a player. Don't you just... You've don't named you... the two golfers <laughs> that I actually can name. That's it. <laughs> Is there any others? Something Rose, Justin Rose, is that a player? Is he a golfer? I don't fucking know. Who knows, mate? Have you seen that guy, Brian Rose, who's running for Mayor of London? He looks like a supervillain. Yeah, he looks like a like a 1940s gangster. Never trust a man in a pinstripe suit, as someone wants also, to Also, like, uh, about the whole, like, London mayor elections things, why the fuck is that YouTuber running? Like, <laughs> I find that so, like, embarrassing, but also, like, that that is profiteering off of the opportunity of people affecting like it, it's, yeah it's it's, it's a... fucking it's fucking shameful mate because at the end of the day it's the same thing that Kanye West did in the U.S. elections like, you're just taking votes you're, off yeah you're profiteering off of the opportunity and taking votes away from people that could use their vote to actually affect change it's privilege he, he doesn't want it it, it's abs it's absolute privilege it's embarrassing like yeah. he should be embarrassed with himself like it's Funny, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Like it. Right. Should we talk about the game then? Arsenal fourteen, Everton nil. Um, Rob Holdinho, captain. Brad's just. <laughs> I'll do it, Brad. Don't worry. Uh, Rob Holdinho, captain. Had a good start. Um, I thought I thought the selection of Chambers might be to do with Dinia, and Dinia was putting in some decent crosses. Uh, I quite like Sabios wide left. And party in the deep line playmaker playmaker role mm. uh, seems Mari. to work because it creates those triangles. You've got the triangle of kind of uh, Smithrow, Pepe, and Sabios on that left, and then the triangles of Saka and Ketia at points, and then Chambers coming up on that right hand side. But obviously Smithrow is quite interchangeable, so it already depends which side he floats to. But it 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 leaves a lot of room for players to kind of bounce off of each other. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I like it. It's sort of a, a six and two eights, and it, it provides a lot of balance. Um, we need better centre backs, though, if we're going to leave Party in that lone DM role, because otherwise, you know, there's only so the much yellow. work that, and there's there's only so much work. Also, I, like uh, the uh, Party breathes on someone, makes one challenge, commits one foul, and gets yellow carded. The amount of white players I'm seeing commit three, four, five fouls and just get talking to is embarrassing. There is a there is a massive thing about the racial profiling when it comes to fouling in this country. It's not on. Mm. It's fucking not on. We see you with the vapor rub, Dominic Calvert Lewin. We see we see you. <laughs> Wanna be Patrick. I had a dream about Patrick Ferrer last night. I had a dream he rowed me away in a boat. 
Um, I thought Pablo Mario was dealing with Calvert-Lewin well um, there was uh, Calvert-Lewin got on the end of a, a Dina cross and um, he uh, actually let, let's have a positive Pablo Mari steal absolute steal and you know he sits four and a half that, million quid brilliant sit, sits in the middle of that uh, three in the build up does really well um, leadership um, I think he he brings a level of class a level of elegance um, he handles. I think oftentimes Arteta tasks him with 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 um, problem players. I think I seem to remember him being on Kane at some point this season because um, he, he he shepherds them well. And it's not necessarily that he's the fastest, but he is strong and he's well positioned. And he often gets in front of players, blocks Calvert-Lewin getting in the box a couple of times. And I thought actually, do, do you know what? Throughout the whole game, actually, we were we were in control and we were. We most of the time, and we were winning the ball back with ease. We were winning it high up the pitch. Uh, some triangles forming. We just, we just, it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter because yeah. we weren't dangerous enough. There, there is possibly two chances that I can think of in from just from memory in that entire game that I thought were kind of okay, and that's the Saka one where he kind of touches it down and and shoots straight at Pickford. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's really difficult angles. You can't really blame him for doing anything other than what he did you mean there. Prime Gigi Buffon, right? Yeah, not- prime Gigi Buffon, mate. That's what fucking Leno made him look like. Let's not. Let's fucking not. Um, and then the Martinelli chance um, that Pickford saves. You know. Yeah. So whilst I, and I think again, it like we've had this conversation before. Dominating a game just doesn't matter when we're not creating. The issue is, is RxG, for example. I don't even know what it is, but it might look decent because we've had like 14 shots and it will just accumulate to something respectable. But when we are creating such low chance opportunities and it's flicks and it's little moments here and there, we are never going to win football matches. We've scored 18 goals at home this season in 17 games. Like that's fucking atrocious. That is that is actually horrific. And we have lost, I think we've lost nine home league games now. Or it might just be nine home games this season, but I think it's nine home league games. That's half. We've lost 50% of our home games this season. And now I know that there's the whole conversation to be had about no fans in the stadium. Is home really home anymore? And, you know, the statistics bear out that it used to be about 45 to 55% of the time that a home team would win. And now it's between kind of the 25 and 35 mark. But, it's just not acceptable to, to to this level to be losing that many games at home. Well, I think we just missed our quality, like uh, especially in yeah. this game. And, and I think that's what I I found myself looking out for. It's clearly a well structured, well coached side. Um, I'm not calling for Arteta's head. It's 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 not that. It's th- th- there's a there's a structural problem at this club, which we might have outlined in the, in the opening of this podcast. I can't remember. Um, and when Abamyang's not there, when Erdegaard's gone, where's the... When we're, when we're playing Enketia up front, when we've got Martinelli, who apparently has been training at centre-forward on the bench. Look, I get the idea that we, we we might want to put him in the shop window and like if he goes out and scores a brace, that's an extra two and a half million quid. We have a, an, an owner worth 8.4 billion US dollars. Fifteen, An extra five million quid is like him pissing out 50 quid on a takeaway on a Saturday night like for us. Do you know what I mean? It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And, that, and yeah. have, having to start players like Nketiah to try and build up some certain market for them is it 
is another reason why the structure at this club is absolutely fucked. And I think that decision, again, rides on Arteta because Martinelli came on and automatically looked more dangerous than Enketia had the entire match. Whether Enketia was better in build-up, it doesn't matter. Build-up doesn't matter if we can't score and if we can't get... Because what build-up brought us to a guilt-edged opportunity that we're going, Saka was one-on-one with goal, with Pickford in goal and missed. Like, build-up is great, but if we're building up to fucking nothing, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and the build-up is encouraging. But again, you know, you're relying on 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 21-year-olds to win your matches. And you, you can't. You can't. You simply can't. They, they are not going... They don't have the physical maturity. They don't have the mental maturity. Speaking as if I'm like a 40-year-old man. They, footballers, they don't. Like, because they're, because they're young players, they have... You know, they're fresh, they've got bags of energy, they want to try things, but they're not going to, they're not, you can't win a league as a, as a <laughs> famous quote, you know, you, a bunch of kids can't win the league or whatever it is. Like, you don't win nothing with kids. Yeah. And there's a certain level of, and I know that's kind of been much maligned and every time a kid scores a goal, they go, wow, see, that's wrong. But there's a level of truth to it. And when you look at the reliance we have on Saka and Smith Rowe and Martinelli and, you know, we're relying on Eddie Nketiah, unproven, to, to to dig us out against Everton. He's never done that before. And listen, you know, extenuating circumstances, who could have predicted Aubameyang's going to get malaria? Who could have, you know, we played Lacazette because he was in good form and he got injured. That's That's nothing we can do about that. But when you have a squad that can't, that is so thin or so thinly balanced in between it's like good players and the players who just really shouldn't be nowhere near the pitch you end up in these situations and then what can you do if you if you're starting think about our starting lineup right Eddie Nketiah unproven on the left Pepe whatever you think about Pepe at the moment he's inconsistent it seems unlikely he's going to win your match Smithrow young guy amazing player young guy Saka young guy Ceballos not good enough for this football club Thomas Partey, not protected by centre-backs. Fantastic popular, not not protected. And then you've got a, a centre-back at right-back and a central midfield player at left-back. What, what, <laughs> what can Arteta do? And, and I'm not, again, I'm not absolving Arteta of responsibility, but when, you don't, when you're not given the funds or not the, 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 the situation wasn't stepped in and the owner's going, hang on, no, no, we haven't got a left back. When you don't have the football expertise at board, board level who have seen this all before, who go, oh, no, 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 we, we need a backup left back for this season. Oh, no, 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 we'll need a 23, 24-year-old striker because we've got two, you know, over, not over the hill, but heading towards the sort of 30 age drop curve strikers and two very, very young strikers. We need someone in the middle. Otherwise, we're going to have problems if, if, if they're out. If you don't have someone with with football knowledge at that level, you're going to end up in these situations. And that's Mm. why it's so frustrating because it's like everyone can see it. Everyone. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, Mate, uh, I can't do anything but echo exactly what what you said. And even if we talk, you know, we're talking about like Ceballos not being good enough for our first 11. Granite Xhaka isn't good enough for our first 11. Like he's a functional cog within the machine. When we but get the system he, right, is, yeah. Is he good enough? No, nowhere near. He's nowhere near athletic enough. And his passing, whilst decent, is nowhere near elite. It's nowhere near like Kevin. He's not Kevin De Bruyne. He's not any of the. He's not Thiago. He's not even Kevin De Croydon, mate. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And one thing really, and like, this is probably just my Xhaka agenda, but one thing that really pissed me off, like Xhaka goes over and is smiling and hugging Carlo Ancelotti after the game. After, you know, I mean, he does well to recover, but after his rash kind of weird challenge against Richarlison means that he then has to push him out wide in the first place. Like, that's... I. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We've just lost 1-0 at home, right? And we're tr- pushing for some form of European football, apparently. And you want to go, go over and smile and hug and laugh with the fucking opposition manager? Fuck off. The mentality of this man is a problem at the club. Because it being a leader and taking responsibility isn't going, oh yeah, I did it, shit happens. Mate, it's... What and I, I tweeted this out and you and you shared it about kind of the El Neni statements when he says he wants fans to support him rather than criticize him. I want to come to that in news and views. If you yeah. do not improve yourself as a footballer, he's been here since 2016. He has not improved as a footballer. He's added nothing new to his game in almost half a decade. The same with El Neni. El Neni is this. It's it is half a decade for Jacka come this summer. The same with El Neni. El Nenny's been at this club for five years. What's he added to his game? Nothing. No range of passing, no progressive carries. And if you are if you are not going to improve yourself, expect criticism. And the mentality of these men is no longer acceptable. Because you look at certain players, you look at you look at Messi, for example. Messi for like is an a freak and is up there within the conversation to being one of the one of the best players that has ever played the game but in his later years he is not the same player that he was when he was 21 but he's got the same output because he's adding more to his game his positioning is fantastic his technical ability is fantastic his playmaking is fantastic all things that he's taken forward and improved over the last 10 years so that when he does lose a step of pace, he his game doesn't suffer for it. The same with Ronaldo. Ronaldo is no longer the 40-yard carrying of the ball-esque player and smashing it in for 20 yards. He's a poacher now who sits in the box and scores goals and is an absolute bagsman, scores so many goals has changed his game because of that because he wants to be better and you know they're they're just two examples but there's a plethora of those in the Premier League you know look at Jordan Henderson Jordan Henderson has improved his game to the point where he's not a technically proficient footballer he's not you know going to be spraying 40 yard passes with pinpoint accuracy but he runs he presses and he harries with absolute elite intelligence because he's trained himself to do that. What do these players do? What have these players improved that? Nothing. So they should be sold. The issue is, is we can't sell them because who the fuck are we going to buy with the no money we get from them? Mate, I'm fu- I'm fucking raging with this. This is... Oh. Um, yeah, I thought... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were missing that final ball, missing the star uh, quality. Um, game to win brings on Willian. Yeah, well, well yeah, yeah. Also, <coughs> I love that they bring on Fabian. Basics of football, Delph. However. To... Yeah, what is that? It's, a, it's I think it's a thing from him. It goes around like fucking. What? However. I'm pretty sure. No, the weather. The weather? 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's him. That? It's on. Uh, I, I I don't I can't remember when, but it's just all over like random fucking YouTubers videos. Like I don't okay. know, but I am sure it's Fabian Delph. I'm referencing on the Man City documentary when Pep, Guardi- of football. Pep Guardiola and his team and like Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, Vin- Vinny Company <laughs> were in a dressing room and they're getting beat and Fabian Delph just goes, it's the basics of football, guys. <laughs> it's like fucking Pep Guardiola. <laughs> oh, Fabian. Um, What was I going to say? Uh, Yeah. I'm just reading my notes. I mean, also, on a slightly lighter note, why does Gilfie Sigurdsson always have the game of his life against us? Who who, who else? It's always, Harry Kane always has a good game against us. Always. Pretty much always. He didn't in the last North London derby. It's it's normally keepers as well. Keepers, like, basically make their careers yeah, against like Arsenal. David De Gea, that fucking, that, that performance that he put in against us still makes me feel sick to this day. Yeah, like, like just changes cha- changes their whole careers around who else is sick there's Sigerson De Gea there's got to be a few others we're not thinking of anyway um so the penalty Ronaldo Ronaldo when he was at United always had a good game yeah, against us. Good I remember game. being at the Emirates for a two-all draw I think it was with United where Ronaldo scored unreal mate yeah he, he's he's the best player I've ever seen live unbelievable um, so the penalty, uh, it's a striker's foul. It's probably not really a foul, but it's oh, wait, are we talking, not, oh, wait, are, are we talking about the, offside. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I not offside. Then. It's not because they've, it's, the rule is it's a part of your body that can score has to be offside and they've taken the line off of his elbow. And I mean, look, there is, there, like, I, I will be honest, there is poetic justice in it being called offside because it's not a foul. And I think the issue is, is yeah. they've probably looked at it and gone, it's not a foul, so let's find yeah. a way out of it, which is corrupt within itself. Yeah. But look, it shouldn't have been a penalty. Like, it, it shouldn't. No, it there's wasn't like, a foul. But there's, like, just... there's like a teensy yeah. amount of contact. But to call that offside is just... It's embarrassing, and it gets to a point where I don't think that the refs need VAR. I think they need somebody sat with a fucking rule book in their ears so that they actually understand the laws of the game. Because the no. laws of the game of offside has been it's been the fucking same for like fifteen years. If a part of your body you can score with is offside, you're offside. That's been the rule. I know that, and I can't even play Sunday league. Is that the rule? Is it? Is it? Is it the part of your body? Because surely it's any yeah. part of your body. No, it is. A, if a part of your body that is off uh, that you can score with is offside, it is offside. It's not a hand. It's not an arm. It is a foot or a head or like because you can obviously like yeah, chest shoulder it in or shoulder it in. It's any part of your body that you can score with. So to draw the line I off of his that elbow, was Arsene's chain rule change. No, no, Arsene's. I think you've got... I don't know what Arsene's rule change is. It's about I think it's like, any part of your body that's onside, you're onside. Yeah, if you have any part of your body. It, yeah, if you have any any part of your body that you can score a goal with that's onside, it's onside. Yeah, yeah, um, Whereas the actual rule is if any part of your body that you can score with is offside, you're offside. So, look, 100% it shouldn't have been called for offside, but also it shouldn't have been called for a penalty. So, it's kind of so-so, really, like... The the COVID ball was strong in the second half. I was I was finding myself like, 
just hearing these long, long pauses from Martin Tyler and mm. Alan Smith, just like, yeah. Well, you've just got. To, you've also got to. <laughs> you've just... got to really think about like the implication. Like, would Granit Xhaka be still be at this football club if fans were in the stadiums? No. No, absolutely no. Probably not because you know his career was probably saved by the fact that when he got brought back into the squad, there were no fans in stadiums. You know, same with, you know, it's just mate. There was a period of intensity um, from Arsenal. I thought we were looking pretty good. I thought, you know, it was another one of those kind of moments where if we don't make this count, we're going to pay. As I've we've said many, many times this season, there was a, a sort of period like that in the Fulham game. Um, and then the goal. Richarlison celebrating an own goal. Dancing. I mean, it, it just it just it just sums up the season. It honestly just sums up the just season. Just an average, I mean, yeah. It, it, it sums up the decisions leading into this season. Leno is an average keeper who half the time looks world class when he makes saves because he's in the wrong fucking position in the first place. And we've highlighted yeah. that on this podcast before. He's a world class shot, you know, stop, shot stopper and about average everything else. He's not even a world-class shot stopper because half the shots he has to stop, he does it in spectacular fashion because he's not in the right place. You know, we highlighted that against Burnley. The whole reason that he has to pass to Xhaka is because he picks the ball up in the wrong place and gives himself that that one option to give it to Xhaka, really. You know, it it is just en- endemic of the season. It, it shows the fucking stupid decisions in the summer of selling Emmy and keeping this fraud like... Mate, it's just average. Like, like this team is just average. It is just full of averageness. Average players and a couple of good ones. And Willian came on. (laughs) I won't say that's the that's the yeah yeah, that's the criticism you can level at Arteta because like no subs till seventy minutes and then brings Willian on to win the game. Like you fucking dumb. Yep. <laughs> I hope this is in some way therapeutic because it's certainly not <laughs> particularly technical analysis. But what can you it's do? Just, what can you yeah, do? There's nothing to technically analyse because we did fuck all. Yeah. yeah. Like we barely, we barely tested a goalkeeper that is famed for having for having like no arms. Like. Yeah. Let's go to news and views, Brad. <laughs> news and views. <laughs> we'll see you after this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links it are would in. Pull us out of our depression. The show description. <laughs> I'm going to play El Nenny's um, criticism thing now. I need you to support me, not to put me down. Because this one, this means supporter. Supporter means you have to support. Not f- waiting for me to do like one bad pass and then after you speak about me or one bad game and then you speak to me. No, you have to, you have to be support in the bad moment, not in the good, good moment. Everyone will be support anyway. But I need you f- for when I, when I have bad game. So on that. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like, I think I understand what he means around the sort of supporter thing um, in that 
you, we're supporters that we should support. And I and I want to say personal abuse to a player. You're a this, that, and the other to them, as in directed to them. You can call a player a wanker, you know, at your TV screen. They're never going to hear it. If you go out of your way to directly message Mohamed El Nenny on Instagram whoever. saying he's awful or commenting on his pictures or whatever, because he will see it, that's not cool, man. But no, like there's a separation thing here. And, and 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 if he's talking about that and purely that, then I agree with him. But if he's talking about criticism of his game, valid criticism of his game, in as you say, not adding basically anything to his game in however many seasons he's been here, as well as going out on loan, working under different managers. El Neni's a fine player. He's a sort of you know six, seven out of ten every game, but he's never going to offer you. Choice. Yeah, he's never going to offer you what you need in the Premier League. And I think not recognizing that and having a sort of you know I understand the frustrations, but don't level your frustrations at the fans, man. Like that's I don't especially know. when you have done nothing to change the situation. And I think that's what I was getting at. It's all well and good saying, you know, support me, support me. But if you're doing nothing to change your current situation or to improve yourself, you know, there's a very famous Kobe Bryant quote that he found it easier to play in the NBA than he did to play college basketball because people got to the NBA and they settled and they went, oh, I'm here now. I've made it. And then Whereas when you have something to, and I think just, he just doesn't feel like he has anything to prove because he's like, well, I'm a, I'm a Premier League footballer at one of the six, you know, five, well, to be fair, yeah, one of the four, five biggest clubs in the country. So he doesn't feel like there's anything that he needs to do or anything that he needs to change. But when he has the vision of Helen Keller and the technical ability of an ox, that becomes an issue. That, that does become an issue. And when he's done nothing to improve that, that becomes an even bigger issue because I will, supp- I will, and I will 100% support every single Arsenal player and I will support Mikel Arteta for the 90 minutes that they're playing. But come the end of that 90 minutes, if you are open to valid criticism because you're, you've made mistakes and these are mistakes that you have continued to make for the last five years. Not only will I criticise you, I'll criticise you more heavily because you've been making the same mistakes for five years and not change them. It's the same with Granit Xhaka. Granit Xhaka I criticise a lot because every six or eight games he makes a fucking glaringly stupid error that costs us a goal and he's been doing that since 2016. So I'm going to still criticise him the same way, if not fervently more than Nicolas Pepe, who's only been here since last season and hasn't even started four Premier League games in a row. You know, there is no context that allows people like Xhaka and allows people like El Elneny out of the limelight because they've been here for too long and they've had too many opportunities to do something new and they haven't done it. Completely agree. Uh, Spotify CEO uh, Daniel Ek or Eek, apologies to my uh, Swedish our Swedish listeners, um, came out with a tweet yesterday, essentially saying, uh, you know, he used to cheer for Arsenal as a kid, um, and if the Cronkies are up for selling Arsenal, he'd like to quote put his hat in the ring. Um, there's not much to say on this. I mean, you know, to be honest. I imagine there's lots of interested parties, but I think it's interesting, haha, party. But the interesting side of that for me is the public announcement on that and the public pressure. And I wonder if if more and more and more people came forward. So for example, there's an African billionaire who uh, I think yeah, is, D- Dalignoti. Yeah, who who's who's interested 
Yeah, some, some, something along those He's lines. He's worth like 12 billion. Yeah, it, it, I think the public pressure and the public kind of awareness that there's a there are other buyers out there for the Cronkies might might be good. And I like I love that he tweeted that. Yeah. I have issues with Spotify in that I don't think they, they pay, pay like 50 enough. they pay 50 quid for every 10,000 streams or something stupid which is just disgraceful. But that at the end of the day that's how you become a billionaire. No one becomes a billionaire on merit. If you were to save 50 grand a year um it would take you something like 20,000 years to become a billionaire. You know, no one becomes a billionaire Without on, stepping on, on a few of, people. Without, yeah. with, without n- not just stepping on a few people, without exploiting everyone that works for them. There's a reason that Jeff Bezos and Amazon are, are fucking hated among workers and they have to piss in bottles and they get paid piss all, you know? Like, or, or every single billionaire that has existed and that will exist will have profited in some way off of the labour force of underprivileged people. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I just think you know whether it's Daniel or or this 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 uh, this guy we just mentioned. Um, I think more and more people coming out and saying, and and, and it would be great yeah. if that was a kind of a campaign. You know, the Arsenal supporters trust or, or however we do it. You know, looking actively looking for new buyers because I think it's important mm-hmm. to say, guys, you're not the only people who could possibly be owners of Arsenal. You know, there's people who who can and want to and will if you don't improve, buy you out and, t- and take you out and make you an offer you can't refuse. So don't, you know, don't, I know this is a cash cow for you at the moment, but if don't you don't get comfortable, don't get comfortable because, you know, if you, if you continue to mismanage, look at Liverpool, they, they hounded their last, before FSG, they hounded their last owners out. I think there's a possibility here. And I think it's something that it's another part of the picture because, you know, if we, mm-hmm. if we hounded the Cronkies out with no one interested, that's a problem. But if we hounded the Cronkies out going, look at these five, six, seven, eight, nine people who have all said they're interested in buying Arsenal, want a bidding war over Arsenal. You guys shouldn't get comfortable because you need to know that there are people out there who will buy Arsenal and will take it forward better than you make the revenues, make their own money and use it in the way you've been using it and actually invest. Um, I think that's really important. This has obviously been quite a negative podcast, and I and I do want to kind of caveat bring some this positivity, all. yeah, and, and say where do you see where do you see the positives? I think for me, game wise, I think another great performance from Smith Rowe, uh, Saka shining as always, Martinelli encouraging. I thought Party had some great moments playing through the lines. I think Arteta clearly can coach a side. I still have questions over his management. Um, I think you know the the triangles that are appearing, the winning the ball high up the pitch, the um, the the speed with which we're moving in comparison to say how we we're playing in December and November. Um, I think the signings he's made as, we, as we've gone over have made a huge difference, and I, and I, and I would trust him with with more. Um, but in terms of that kind of club level, where do you see the the positives? I th- and I think to be honest, maybe it comes back to what we said in the intro about the fans. Because the fans just won't have it anymore. I know there's another Cronky out protest um, uh, being uh, uh, sort of organised. How do we move forward? How do we make sure that Arsenal doesn't become a mid-table London Gunners side? It feels to me the only way is Cronky out, but how can we do that positively? Yep. And how can we do that um, with, um, with conviction and with class and with, with, with Arsenal's values and the, the, the values that we all hold dear to our heart and the reason we all love Arsenal? How do we do that? There you go. Small, small question for you, mate. <laughs> it's very, very... Like, there's so much to unpack there. A big part of that is getting these owners out. 
Because while they act in a way that is not representative of the history, the class and the traditions of the club, they are not, you know, they will never be fit to be representatives of the club. There's got to be fan involvement at board level. Fan involvement at board level. Uh, but even then, a boardroom doesn't matter when you're owned 100% by a billionaire. Stan Kroenke, if he wanted to, could dissolve Arsenal, could delete us. He wouldn't because it's worth two and a half billion pounds and all of whatever. And there's there's a lot. But like, I, I think that a lot of fa- Arsenal fans don't understand. Like, he is technically more Arsenal than any other fan. He owns us. Like, he can. And so even if we had, I think that, again, um, fan involvement at board level would just be. And like I said about spending 200 million pounds in the summer, it is a PR stunt that would mean nothing more than you know be uh, you know i would say be excited or any of this shit because he he can do but an investment of 200 wants. million is the is the would be the first time that's happened and might signal a change i i i if all of this shit around the european super league and all of the negative pr and all of this shit hadn't happened i would agree with you but unfortunately it would not be surprising to see massive investment the year after so much backlash and such a PR nightmare. Because all they're trying to do is they're trying to turn the volume down on the people that are trying to hound them out of the club. And which is why even if we spend £200 million this summer, there should be a protest at every single home game next season. I don't I don't need an owner that spends 200 million quid of their own money every year. I don't need that. I'm fine with having, you know, a certain way of doing things. I'm fine if the owner wants to spend 50 million of his own money or whatever. I'm not about I'm I don't want us to be Chelsea. I don't want us to fucking just buy history and I don't want us to be City. I just want us to be the club that we have been for so long that these owners aren't making us right now by acting in a way that is not representative of what we stand for. So fuck them. They can spend a billion pounds this summer and I will still be cronky out come the end of next season. I don't give a Brad, shit. if they spent a billion pounds this summer, you would not be cronky out. Don't tell me that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> fuck them. Fuck them. Because it, like, it, like, it doesn't matter. It, like, the, the, all, it, all it will be is a PR stunt. That's all it is. All it is is a PR stunt. It's the same way that Mike Ashley, when he was looking at selling Newcastle, went out and bought Joel Linton for £45 million and actually invested in the club. And then now, you know, he's not. They got, and you know, the loans worked out great for them, but they got Joe Willock on loan in January. You know, that's not a statement of intent to try and stay in a league from an owner of a club who's, you know, club of fast falling into a relegation battle. I think that the the positives and the way forward to kind of get back to the point and get back on trying to make this a more positive sentiment is that there are a lot of youngsters, and I've said this five times or so, there are a lot of youngsters in this club and, you know... And fans. There is... And fans at this club, and there is a bright future. There are just certain caveats to that bright future. One of them, yes, is getting the Cronkies out. I don't think we'll ever win the Premier League with the Cronkies in charge because they don't care enough. They don't care enough to make decisions and to invest when investment's needed because we're now five, six, seven years away from from challenging and it's because they didn't put £100 million in five, six, seven years ago. You know, imagine if we'd spent the, that kind of money as in 
from their investment. We've spent a lot of money, but it's all been earned and made by the revenue of the club and the club's fans. I just, there is a bright future in the squad with a lot of youngsters. And there are, you know, there are a lot of positives in the market going forward. French and, uh, there's a reason that this Super League's come about. And that's because Real Madrid are an 800 million worth of debt and Barcelona are in the same and all of this stuff. And French and Italian football's been decimated by TV deals collapsing and COVID to the point where you've got certain players like, you know, you sent me a message or like, I don't know if I sent it to you actually, of fucking Mike Mignan at Lille, his contract's coming that, to that an was end. And, was that me? Yeah. <laughs> and that, But there's, there's and you know, Sumare, his contract is coming up to having like a year left. Bubakari Sumare. And all of these, all of these players would be great options for us. I think there's a lot of positivity moving forward and there is a lot of option for positivity, but I will never be 100% positive about Arsenal until the Cronkies leave. Yep. (laughs) Okay, let's finish off with Arsenal trivia. Uh, We asked you last time, when was the first radio broadcast? It was Arsenal versus Sheffield. When was the first ever radio broadcast... um, on on the radio, which would be strange if it was the first radio broadcast on the internet. Uh, it was on. Any guesses, Brad? No, fucking, I don't know. The fourth of April. What year? Nineteen thirty-seven. Not far off. Twenty-second of January, nineteen twenty-seven. Ah. It was Arsenal v Sheffield. One-one is the first ever goal scored live on radio. Uh, <coughs> 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 Jesus. Cronky stuck in my throat. Um, the next question is, uh, who is the youngest ever manager of Arsenal? I believe Arteta is second, but there is someone younger. At the age of 34, he became the youngest ever Arsenal manager in 1976. Who is that person? Any guesses, Brad? Is it George Graham? Or am I completely wrong? Nope. Fuck. I was just about right. to guess. That was the first old, like, oldish Arsenal manager that I could think of. <laughs> right then. All right, mate. Pleasure as always, Brad. Yeah, um, pleasure's mine. I hope in some way that was therapeutic. Um, Absolutely not. I'm still utterly depressed by this football <laughs> club. <laughs> We've got a European semi-final to get to. Um, let's hope we can finish this season on a positive. Um, and we will see you after that game. Oh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. thank you so much for listening to the different knock podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the show you can find us on patreon and buymeacoffee.com find us on twitter at diffknock and visit our website thedifferentknock.com thanks Podcast Network.